This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. You're listening to From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, Peter Dugan. You just heard 18-year-old Daniel Hodosh perform Fritz Kreisler's miniature Viennese March. I had the pleasure of joining him on the piano for that performance. You know, I play a lot of repertoire in my career, across different genres, historical periods, and geographies, and I love discovering new composers. But today... We're going back to the all-stars. We're going to be hearing Beethoven, Samuel Barber, Tchaikovsky, Liszt. It's going to be a really fun show. And I particularly get excited when I see how young people relate to music by composers from centuries ago. You know, it's a way for them to connect to history and to connect with our shared human experience. It's going to be a great show, folks. Let's meet 18-year-old Daniel Hodosh, whose brilliant performance of Chrysler's miniature Viennese March kicked off our program. Daniel is a Jack Kent Cook young artist who came from Budapest, Hungary, to study at the Colburn School in Los Angeles. And Daniel knew without a doubt that leaving home and exploring a different part of the world would help him grow, not just as a musician, but as a person. 
Hello everyone, my name is Daniel Hodosh. I'm an 18-year-old violinist from Hungary, and I'm currently studying at the Colburn Music Academy in Los Angeles, California. I grew up in Budapest, which is a very culturally diverse city, and there's a lot of opportunities to hear different kinds of music and basically all kinds of arts. So my parents are non-musicians. They work in tech support. And my sister used to play the flute, but just for fun. I got started playing the violin because my parents always brought me to a lot of classical music performances that I really enjoyed. And I remember seeing the violin. I always knew that I, that's, that's the instrument I wanted to play. I studied at the Liszt Academy of Music in Budapest for four years. And after a while, I felt like it would be a good idea to move abroad and study in music. It's a profession where it's always good to hear different perspectives. So this was my first time coming to the United States and it was definitely very different from what I was used to growing up, but it didn't take a lot of time to get used to this new environment. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> Fine. So Los Angeles is like a much bigger city than Budapest. There is much more people. And as soon as I got off the airplane, my first impression was that the city is a bit chaotic and everybody's just running around. Some of the differences I noticed in the American people is that they are probably more open-minded. This is definitely a generalization, but that's what I found. I consider myself a perfectionist, but I also know that the concept of perfection is not something that's necessarily possible. But being perfectionist is definitely very helpful to get to a certain level, even though what we're striving for is not possible, because there's always going to be something that's not perfect. In the future, I would definitely like to become a professional violinist, and I think I would enjoy doing a variety of activities, both performing and maybe teaching. Ideally, I would probably do a combination of playing chamber music and solo, maybe. I would say, since I keep a pretty strict routine practicing, it doesn't give me the opportunity to think about whether or not I want to do this. So I just wake up and start practicing every day. You know, when I meet a young musician like Daniel, who has left their home behind and moved to a new country to study music, I'm just amazed by the courage and the commitment that it takes to make a choice like that. We're now going to hear from a 17-year-old soprano, Amelia Rines from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I was so excited when I heard she'd be singing Samuel Barber's Sure on This Shining Night. It's always been one of my favorites ever since I performed it with my wife, Kara Dugan, the great mezzo-soprano, when we were just getting to know each other, dating as students at the Juilliard School, and this was the very first song we did together. So it holds a special place in my heart. Well, Amelia, welcome to From the Top. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's so great to have you, and you're going to sing one of my favorite songs. What is this beautiful piece of music you have for us? Yes, I'll be singing Sure in the Shining Night, uh, composed by Samuel Barber. And who's there with you at the piano? Yes, Mr. Brian Helsel. Great. Well, whenever you're ready, you two can take it from the top. Great. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,
17-year-old Amelia Rines from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, sang Sure on This Shining Night by Samuel Barber. She was joined by Brian Helsel at the piano, and Amelia is one of our Jack Kent Cook young artists. Amelia, that fills the whole room, and or in this case, the airwaves, <laughs> and uh, it was just just gorgeous. Thank you so, so much. You've had the opportunity to sing in some really cool places. It's one of the perks of being an artist. Tell me some of the most memorable spots you've performed and, and, and what it felt like being there. Yeah, definitely. So first I can think of is when I went to Ireland last summer with the Pittsburgh Girls Choir. And I was there with uh, my mm. director, Catherine Barnard, and we got to sing in these beautiful cathedrals. And basically just like tall gray stone walls and just any sound you make would just keep resonating around. And she was telling us like after a really beautiful performance, just the energy keeps like bouncing off the walls and you can feel it. And not only could you hear it like when we were done Mm. singing, but you could still (laughs) just feel it. Yeah. And I think uh, another place was uh, I did the Eastman like summer program last year and it was really, <laughs> I kind of snuck in one day uh, to uh, their biggest theater there. And it was just getting to walk around it in the dark by myself and just really looking. God, the lights were out and uh, it was like mm. this big, empty, beautiful place just full of art. Like even though I was kind of scared, someone was gonna, like <laughs> bust in and kick yeah. me out. <laughs> it was still just really beautiful. And getting to sing a little bit of uh, Porgy Amore, the first aria I've learned. And just getting to sing some of that just on the stage by myself. That sounds magical. Mm -hmm. Amelia, I know there's a venue in your hometown of Pittsburgh (laughs) that uh, has special significance to you, and you've gotten involved there. Tell me a little bit about the National Opera House. I'm having, as part of like my senior project to close out the year, this Mm -hmm. recital to uh, benefit the NOH. That was the very first Black Opera House in America, (laughs) and uh, founded by Mary Cardwell Dawson. What does it mean to you to be part of this organization? To have this, like, national landmark of something so wonderful just of opportunities created for people that opportunities are often taken away from it's just yeah. to see that and to see this kind of there's other the other black people in the opera industry from even starting from before then right and now you're part of this legacy you know mm. <laughs> that goes way back you volunteered recently with dare to dream tell me all about it dare to dream is a nonprofit that basically started to give attention and opportunity to kids who've been affected by violence in their communities. The first time I was there was actually for this benefit talking about uh, police brutality. And they were brought in the families of people who had been lost to police brutality. And it was, yeah, yeah, it was a very emotional experience, definitely. But then I saw just like what music can really mean to people because then I got to talk to one of the victim's moms afterwards and how much it meant to her uh, hearing me sing and that was something I still think about and still feel really strongly about and I'm really glad I could be a source of light for her. Yeah. What What did you sing? I first sang uh, I Wish I Was Home from The Wiz and then I at the end sang uh, Rise Up, Andre Day. Nice. Now, mm-hmm. like what's the difference for you in terms of singing, say, Porgia Moore? and then singing, you know, a song from The Wiz. Honestly, I think for me, classical kind of hits a little harder, but <laughs> both really <Yeah>. beautiful. <laughs> that's great. I, mm-hmm. No, I mean, that speaks to the power of this repertoire and mm-hmm. to the fact that you connect to it. Mm-hmm. It's necessary. If you're going to do this music, you have to connect to it at that emotional level. Mm-hmm. It's so great. 17-year-old soprano Amelia Rines from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Support for NPR comes from this station and from BritBox with Season 2 of The Tower starring Gemma Whalen. This and more police dramas, including Line of Duty and The Responder starring Martin Freeman. Streaming at BritBox.com NPR. From Apple Music, including Apple Music Classical, a new app designed for the nuances of classical music. Included with select Apple Music subscriptions and available now in the App Store. And from the sustaining members of this NPR station. We have music of Tchaikovsky coming up next. And you might think about huge orchestrations, pounding piano concertos, but we're going to have sort of the opposite here. This is Andrew C.J. Lee from Boston, Massachusetts, performing Tchaikovsky's very intimate Song of the Lark from the Seasons. ¶¶ 
15-year-old Andrew Cigia Lee, pianist from Boston, Massachusetts, performed Song of the Lark by Tchaikovsky from The Seasons. Such a beautiful and just heartfelt performance of that piece. You're such a poet for only 15 years old. That was beautiful, Andrew. Thank you. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with the piece we just heard. So I actually started this piece four or five years ago. And coming back to it now, it really gives the piece a new new feeling, a new meaning, and I've mm. really enjoyed coming back to it. Yeah, so just doing the math on that, I mean, you were only 10 or something when you first learned the piece, and it's not technically terribly demanding, but to mm. really be able to phrase it with the, the musicality and the sensitivity that you just did, that takes, that takes years to get there, and you, you play like an old soul. <laughs> Thank you. Tell me, how did you first get introduced to the piano? I, I was around four when I first started fooling around with the piano, and it was actually because of my brother. Mm-hmm. He's nine years older than me, and mm-hmm. he also plays the piano. And every day I just listen to him like playing the most beautiful pieces, Chopin's First Ballade, mm-hmm. Beethoven's Pathétique Sonata, things like that. And mm-hmm. Rhapsody in Blue was one of my favorites. Uh, um, when I was six years old, I kind of really seriously started to learn it. Uh-huh. I have older brothers too, and I know how inspiring it can be to listen to your older brothers play music. I guess you guys are a bit closer geographically now, too, because you recently had a big move. Tell me a little bit about that. I moved to Boston in January at the beginning of the year. And, and where were you bef- before that? Oh, I was in Toronto, uh-huh. Canada. Yeah. yeah. And I moved here to go study at the New England Conservatory. Yeah, and also at Walnut Hill. Yeah, during at the Walnut Hill School for the Arts. Yeah. Right, and then you're doing your lessons at New England Conservatory. Um, you said that when you arrived at Walnut Hill and you first started taking lessons with your new teacher over at NEC, that she wasn't very pleased at first, right? It wasn't like immediate, um, bravo, bravo, what, what happened? Tell me that story. It's actually a lesson I remember really well with one of my teachers. Yeah, she really didn't like my playing at all. And <laughs> I was surprised because before her, there was really no one that kind of just outright said that it was bad. And so it was a little hard on me at first. Sure. Yeah, but then I think eventually once I started going to more lessons, I did see like a huge improvement hmm. in my playing, and I also began to really understand what she was trying to get at. I'm curious about how people react when you play another piece that I know you love, which is almost the exact opposite of what you played for us earlier, that beautiful lyrical Tchaikovsky. What's this next piece that we're going to hear a clip of? Uh, This piece is called Catenaire. It Mm -hmm. was written by an American composer called Elliot Carter. It was written for a very famous French pianist called Pierre Laurent Mm Aymar. Carter, when he wrote this, he was kind of obsessed with the idea of a piece without melody or harmony and just one continuous line going on and on. Uh, Would you play us a little bit of this piece by Carter? Sure. Okay. sound incredible on that Andrew that's you're on fire your fingers are I can hardly see your fingers it's moving so fast so is that fun for you to play that music I mean it's obviously incredibly difficult Mm -hmm. yeah it was really hard for me to get into and to learn at first but once I became kind of accustomed to this type of piece it was actually really fun really interesting to play and how do you feel this 
connects to an audience compared to, say, the Tchaikovsky that you played earlier? I think that it kind of provides them an opportunity to discover, you know, uh, classical music is more than just what people are used to hearing and that there are a lot of different things out there. And I really enjoy kind of bringing that sense of discovery and like just wow to the stage. Wow is right. Andrew, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for the great music. Thank you. It was an amazing opportunity to be here. 15-year-old pianist Andrew C.G. Lee from Boston, Massachusetts. We have to take a break now, but don't go away. Coming up, we have Beethoven's virtuosic sonata for French horn and piano. I'll be playing with a 16-year-old from Taiwan who is just incredible. And we've also got a pianist who's going to dazzle us with some list and then take me through a day in his very busy life. You're listening to From the Top, and I'm pianist Peter Dugan. Did you know that From the Top posts short, beautiful videos of our young musicians every day? The series is called Daily Joy. Treat yourself to youthful inspiration daily. Sign up at fromthetop.org. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency connecting young people with the arts in schools and in their communities. Learn more at massculturalcouncil.org. And from Dignity Memorial, helping families plan life celebrations now so their loved ones are protected later, because nobody should have to plan for a loss while they're experiencing one. Learn more at dignitymemorial.com. And from the listeners who support this NPR station. This is From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan, and I'm so grateful to be here with all of you this week and every week, thanks to the generosity of Susan and Gerald Slavitt. Before we continue, a big thank you to the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism for sponsoring today's program. From the Top is thrilled to feature young musicians from across the Bay State throughout the year, as well as regularly recording and producing our program in the greater Boston area. I think whenever we hear music from Beethoven's early years, there is a youthful sort of showiness in the virtuosic writing. And this piece is certainly no exception. At times, it practically feels like a piano concerto. But I just had so much fun learning this piece, which I'd never played before, and joining Ashley, who, as I said, really wowed me. Welcome to From the Top, Ashley. Thank you. <laughs> it's so great to have you here. We're going to play a really fun piece for both of us. Yeah. What is this work that we're about to perform? Beethoven's Sonata. Yeah, the first movement. Yeah. It's a rare opportunity for us to have French horn on the program, and I just love the way you play. Let's take it from the top. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. 
16-year-old Ashley Chung on the French horn performed Beethoven's Sonata for Horn and Piano, Opus 17, the first movement. I'm Peter Dugan, and I was at the piano. Ashley is one of our Jack Kent Cook young artists. That was so much fun to play together, Ashley. I had a blast. Yeah, it's so cool. Do you enjoy playing this music? Of course, but actually this is the piece for piano more than horn. Yeah, you gave me a workout for yeah. sure. Do you ever get tired of playing so much heroic music on the horn? Actually, I like those kind of piece. Yeah? Yeah. I feel like when I play French horn, I feel I'm confident uh -huh. because I'm not really confident when I in life. Like most of the friends, they know I'm not confident. But when I see I play French horn, I'm like another person who wow. is confident. Yeah. yeah, I love that. That's a great reason for people to study an instrument, too, yeah. to bring that confidence to your life. Yeah. So you're from Taipei, yeah, and you are now studying here in New York yeah. um, at the Juilliard Pre-College. Uh, but the first time you came to the U.S. was for a summer program, right? I went to Hawaii. Oh, Hawaii. Yeah. Okay. I like the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry you're stuck here in New York. <laughs> um, I do want to hear about your experience at Interlochen in Michigan. So that was my first time, um, like, go to a camp. It's far away from my home. Yeah. And I go my, by myself. It's about seven weeks. Wow. And you were, uh, how old were you? Um, 15. So how did it go? And how did you feel being there? This is two kind of program. One is for horn intensive and mm -hmm. one is for wing ensemble okay yeah so for the horn intensive there are a group of horn player we play together and like learn together yeah yeah that sounds fun yeah and make friends of course yeah yeah you stay in bunk beds or yeah 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 we have lots of roommates my first room is about 14 i think 14 girls all in yeah. in one room? Yeah. That sounds like fun. Yeah. It wasn't your first time camping. Um, you were a scout in oh, Taiwan, yeah. right? Yeah. That, tell me about being... I Growing up in America, I always thought of Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts as being so American, but I'm really curious to hear what's it like being a scout in Taiwan? What did you do? We meet uh, once a month. If we go to a camp or something, yeah. we need to cook by ourselves. And like, like make fire. So you make fire. Yeah. And what would you cook over the fire? Um, if we have stone, we can barbecue. Wow. On nice. a stone. Yeah. Uh, that sounds so good. Do you have, can you make rice over a fire? Yeah, but that is the hardest thing. Like the rice. I can't imagine. Here I was thinking that all you can do is take a hot dog and <laughs> put it on a stick. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's yeah. amazing. You're obviously a uh, pretty tough, strong individual. I mean, you, you did the scout training. You traveled across the world to study here. You also, a few years ago, um, went through a surgery. Yeah, that is for my spine. Mm -hmm. Like, is, is that scoliosis? Yeah. What we call yeah, scoliosis, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uh-huh. The doctor say I need a surgery. Wow. Yeah, because... It's S. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. an S. Yeah, it's right. So yeah. you need. Oh, so how did it? Go, how was the surgery? It's like pain. <laughs> yeah, really painful. Yeah, my teacher say you you can relax and don't do that. Right. But I say I want to like try. <laughs> yeah. So you kept practicing as you were recovering. Yeah. <laughs> That's dedication. Is, is the word I'm looking for. You're such a talented musician, and thanks for being with us today. Thank you. 16-year-old Ashley Jiang, originally from Taipei, now living and studying in New York City. I think Ashley is just one of the bravest young musicians I've ever met. She came alone to the U.S., and she navigates all around New York City on subways and buses, all on her own, and she's just got the best attitude about it all. We're rooting for you, Ashley. Next up, we've got 18-year-old, multi-talented Christopher Tillen from Weston, Massachusetts. This guy is more than just an overachiever. I think he must have learned how to actually bend time because I don't know how else it would be possible to do all that he does. 
He's also a bit of a jester, which explains his choice of performing Liszt's paraphrase of Rigoletto fittingly. Join me now in the studio with Christopher. Chris, welcome to From the Top. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Great to have you. Tell me, what are you going to play and what draws you to this piece? I'm going to be playing Liszt Rigoletto, which is this really cool paraphrase on this opera by Verdi. And I was really drawn to it because I also do theater and I love sort of theatrical side. And to Uh see this piano piece that's quite literally like taken from an opera and has this sweeping story with this distinct characteristics was was really inspiring to me. So when my teacher had mentioned this piece to me, I like I went and like looked at the opera plot. I listened to some uh, some of the songs from it, which I surprisingly recognized, specifically the one that's like La Dame Mobile. Yep. I was like really surprised to recognize it because I don't really listen to opera. Maybe it's, I should. It's a hit. And, and it is a hit. And it was a hit back then, which is why Liszt wrote this. I mean, this is essentially Liszt's version of a pop cover, right? <laughs> Everyone would have known these tunes, and this is his way of showing off. Uh, I can't wait to hear you just bring these characters to life. Whenever you're ready, why don't you take this from the top? <laughs> Thank you. 
That was 18-year-old Christopher Tillen from Weston, Massachusetts, playing Liszt's paraphrase of Verdi's Rigoletto. Wow, my friend. On fire. What a performance. Such virtuosity and such character. Well done. Thank you so much. It was super exciting to perform it. Well, it certainly was a theatrical performance, and it makes sense because you're into theater, but that's just part of what you're into. You do so much, Chris. It's kind of ridiculous. Can you just list off the activities you're involved with at school and uh, outside of school? Yeah, I can. So uh, I guess one of my the biggest thing in addition to piano is I, I love musical theater and straight plays as well. But the musical theater has really been my my big passion. I love dancing and singing. I'm captain of our Model UN and debate teams. Okay. And then um, I'm the editor in chief of our school newspaper, The Nobleman. I also I do a lot of singing groups on campus. So I'm part of our gospel choir, our a cappella group. Okay. I run cross country. Okay, add that to the list. And you still have time for a part-time job? I do work at a woman's shoe store. Okay, so that's a lot. I can't really imagine how it's possible for you to do all of those things while simultaneously playing the piano like that. Why don't you and I kind of go through a day together? We're going to add some fancy sound effects to take us there. And then you're going to hear a school bell that's going to signal when it's time to change to a new activity. So it's going to sound like this. Awesome. Let's go. We will now start the debate between Chris Tillen, captain of the debate team at Noble and Greenow, and a newcomer, Dieter Pugin. They're debating whether classical music is just some stuffy music that only certain kinds of people listen to, or if it's a dynamic musical genre for all ages. Dieter Pugin will begin. Well, uh, I think classical music is just too stuffy and rigid. It's old-fashioned and young people aren't into it. What do you think about that, Chris? Well, Dieter, or I guess Mr. Pugin, to be formal in this setting, I'd have to counter that. I think that classical music is such a widespread of different genres. Sometimes people think that it's only the Bachs and the Beethovens, but there's really so many other composers that have so many different unique colors to their specific styles. Classical music spans so many time periods. I mean, you have stuff as recent as Prokofiev, or as more, a little further back, but Rachmaninoff, things that really are closer to our modern day than we really anticipate. And I think when you hear those sounds and when you hear how they tie into emotions that people in these days feel, you'll start to feel that connection begin to strengthen. You'll start to feel that distance uh, lessen a little bit. Okay, yeah, but are there any composers who are even alive and cool? I got to name a really cool composer. Uh, he does choral music, and he is actually the choral director at Noble and Greenow, Mr. Turner. Love him. He is incredible. And he composes some beautiful pieces. He really, I think, embodies the idea of music, which is that it's this language that brings people together and transcends boundaries, and music can be made for certain people and then can transcend beyond that. Okay, time's up, and the winner of the debate is Chris Tillin. Wow, you're on the cross-country team and you're Mr. Editor-in-Chief here at the school newspaper. I know you gave me this assignment recently about Teach for America. Uh, what is that? Teach for America is one of the coolest organizations that I can imagine. And um, it's this movement for growing equity to education. And this summer I was able to work with um, Boston Collegiate. It was this amazing experience. It was amazing to meet the kids, work with the kids, learn from the kids, we were talking about math, but at the end of the day, it wasn't really about fractions. So definitely when you do that assignment, try to connect with the people, try to connect with the kids you're tutoring and just learn from others around you. Sounds like this was a great experience for you and you learned a lot just like you taught them a lot. I would say I definitely learned more than I taught. It was incredible and I'm super honored to have been part of it. Excuse me, young man, can you please help me purchase a pair of shoes? Oh, Patricia Dugan, uh, do you need your bunions checked out? Uh, yes, I suppose I do. I'm, I'm trying to find a pair of shoes for my granddaughter's wedding. What would you recommend? I gotta say, there's this great brand now. It has amazing arch support. It's gonna be a little more narrow, which is gonna fit your foot pretty well, and it's really smart looking. It's got a nice suede strap, so it's gonna take you all the way to that wedding and dancing beyond. You are such a nice young man. 
Well, welcome back to reality. Give it up for Chris Tillen. Chris, that was a lot of fun, wasn't it? It was a fun trip. It was a fun trip. And I have to say, you know, yeah, we had some fun. It was a little silly. I got to try out some of my different uh, character voices. But really, the thing that shines through is that you're doing things because you're passionate about them and because you really care about helping as many people as you can and, and contributing to every aspect of your community. And it's just inspiring, man. Thank you so much. I'm really thankful that I get to do all this stuff. It's, it's really cool. Well, thanks for being with us at From the Top. Thank you so much for having me. This has been incredible. 18-year-old Chris Tillen, pianist from Weston, Massachusetts. We've been hearing music by so many great composers today, but I'm realizing now that we haven't actually heard any Bach. So I thought I'd close out the show with a contribution of my own. Here's me, Peter Dugan, performing the Gigue from Bach's French Suite Number no. 5 in G Major. It's one of my favorites to play, and I think it's some of the most exuberant music that Bach composed. And that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed diving into this familiar repertoire by these beloved master composers as much as I did. And I want to thank all of our young musicians. I loved playing with some of them and learning from all of them. And to you listening at home or in the car, or perhaps while heading out to buy a new pair of shoes at your local shoe store, 
Thanks for spending this time with us. I'm your host, pianist Peter Dugan. Be sure to join me next week, and we'll take it from the top. A big thank you to the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism for sponsoring today's program. From the Top is thrilled to feature young musicians from across the Bay State throughout the year, as well as regularly recording and producing our program in the greater Boston area. Thank you to sound engineers Sergei Parfenov and Francesco Perlingelli at the Colburn School in Los Angeles. From the Top's very own John Escobar at the record company in Boston, John Helsel, Brian Helsel, and Maddie George at Music Services in Butler, Pennsylvania, Kevin Carrillo at Sound on Sound Studios in Montclair, New Jersey, and a special shout-out to Mark Evans Calixte for his help in Montclair. From the Top is produced by Megan Swan and Jessica Tickton. Sound design and music editing by John Escobar with editing and mastering by Rodrigo Cuenca. Our production manager is Amanda Roth. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. From the Top is an independent nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts on the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Jack Kent Cooke Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need, jkcf.org. From BritBox, with Season 2 of The Tower, starring Gemma Whalen. This and more police dramas, including Line of Duty and The Responder, starring Martin Freeman. Streaming at BritBox.com NPR. And from the Public Welfare Foundation, committed to advancing transformative youth and criminal justice reforms. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org. This message comes from NPR sponsor, the Capital One Venture X Card. Earn unlimited 2X miles on everything you buy. Plus, get access to a $300 annual credit for bookings through Capital One Travel. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. Details at CapitalOne.com. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts.